0: everybody. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Hello. Happy March. Oh, Where is this year already going? You and I were just planning our schedule out here a moment ago, and we were going into June.
0: Yeah, we had a little I'm,
1: production meeting. I'm like, my God, but, like, pumpkins are going to be on the shelf soon. Like... <laughs> All the horror merchandise starts to come out midsummer.
0: <laughs> it does. That's why all the events start like the Monster Palooza thing we're doing in June and then in August there's usually a couple of big events in Los Angeles and then and then we're off to the races. And if you break out the year that way and since we're doing horror and true crime and all of that all year long, it does feel like Halloween comes around fairly often. More often than when I don't I know. When I'm not connected to it, I know. right? Cuz I'm always like reading about the events and stuff. And it does uh, tend to feel like it's Halloween all year long, which I believe was the goal. I mean, that's the point. Yeah, for sure. I want to quickly just mention that buy or rent the all new Scream movie tonight on digital starring Nev Campbell, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. The new hit movie is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and critics are calling it 100% terrifying. Buy on digital today and get killer bonus content, including deleted scenes, cast interviews, and much more. It's available at participating retailers. It's rated R from Paramount Pictures. Well, we just loved this movie in general. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was (laughs) was a lot of fun. So now it's out. So now you can go buy or rent it and buy a copy of it. All of that so a heck of a lot better together. than
1: the new Halloween,
0: <gasps> so much better and so much better than the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I still haven't seen it as
1: I- I'm well. having this like uh, debate with myself, and I know I'll see it. But... Yeah, you'll
0: see it, and then we will have that conversation. Okay, <laughs> again, I'm sure, I'm sure I already mentioned that movie. So I write that to my list of things that <laughs>
1: you and I need to discuss.
0: Yes, because you know. I talked about it, and you laughed at me when I talked about it, so I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective. I also did want to mention to you, Kathy, that I did finally put your – there was a newsletter article that Kathy did for something else, and we just repurposed it, and I made it into like a blog-looking article for our website oh, yeah, kind of repurposed it a little bit. And it was really interesting to read and and fun to put together. So that's on the website. Also, let me just say – that Ice made another, um, did another article for the Memory Hole Cinematic Crusades. This movie is called Black Belly of the Tarantula from 1971. And I did want to say that there's quite a bit of boob-foo. Oh, nice. Uh, And (laughs) it's like 26 minutes before you see the first mannequin, and he writes pathetic next to like... You know, not enough mannequin for
1: him. I my, love how his blog start out. This trash, <laughs> this trash is about yeah. two brothers named Fritz and Christian. I mean, just yeah, the, that was yeah. one of the last
0: ones for sure. This yeah. line, the line I'm going to pull out to share with you today is that somewhere near the end of the article, it says, fuck this movie for being incredibly convoluted. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> I just love that this is all on mannequins. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> uh
0: so, yeah and then of course he does the he at the beginning of each article as you will see there's some there's some details about it the first mannequin sighting etc mannequin counts mannequin boob counts and then there's the <laughs> and there's the article and then at the end of the article he does like things we learned and the number one thing he learned for this movie was telephones in the 70s Italy were
1: fucking weird. <laughs> I love the MPM mannequins per minute. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. He actually point does point the math four
1: six. He does the actual math. <laughs> so great. So like this one
0: only had a 0.26, I think for oh, me, not as many. Minute. Yeah. Let me see here. Yeah. Mannequins per minute, 0.26. And that's where he wrote pathetic. This actually. trash. I just like, that's how it starts. This <laughs>
1: trash. Yeah.
0: There's no, there's really no subtlety to that. It's just because, like,
1: I mean, who makes these, right? Yeah, exactly. The Europeans make these. <laughs> So,
0: in almost every article, there's a line where he says, like this one. It says it takes forever because Italy, and that's just the end of the sentence. <laughs> in almost every article, there's like something he'll say, and it's like because, well, Italy, like like oh that's God. the reason why. Anyway, so his new article it's is like up. giallo, but yeah. mannequins. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: So his new article is up, and uh, so there's that one half to. mannequin deduction for false advertising. <laughs> Drum roll. This was not the movie I am looking for. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's too good. These hilarious. are really funny. If, even if you just have five minutes, like on a lunch break or something, oh, go on yeah, and read these. are sure. hilarious. They're really yeah. well written. And he's going to amass
0: <clears throat> a chunk, I'm sure. And so uh, over the coming months, I also managed to, uh, we, we got four whole weeks you know four different articles of yours up in our patreon okay sex lies and the sociopath you did that little series and we did them i threw them up there every friday for four weeks so those are all up now if you want to become a patron you get you get the money mini cast you get articles on fridays usually and and i've been throwing some other things in there so
1: you know, cool. All good. Excellent. I think you have a couple of things you wanted to mention. I would like to bring some events, merch, and games to the show. I, I've been doing that informally, but I'm trying to at least every other week bring something fun. Cool. So I was looking through and there's two really great well, there's a couple of different things that I came across, but one is Trick or Treat Studios. They're like a toy company. Okay. They actually just released, or they're about to release, eight-inch action figures. Let's see which ones they have here. Pumpkinhead, Candyman, Farmer Vincent from Motel Hell, uh, which is like, that's rare. I mean, that's a really old one. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Michael Myers, and Candy Corn, 2019. Uh So these are a lot of these. I mean, Michael Myers you can find through... And even Pumpkinhead a little bit. But Candyman, I have not seen. Farmer Vincent, I certainly have not seen. So anyway, I thought that was cool. And I found that on, if you just go to Bloody Disgusting, they have a whole thing on Trick or or Treat Studios right now. And you can go into their site, and they've got a lot of really cool toys on there. And then the other, as I was exploring this, I found, you know how I'm obsessed with Creepy Co., right? Mm -hmm. I, I may have topped myself on that one i found <laughs> something called horror okay they have everything so if you think about um in burbank you know we have the the halloween store that's there like all year all year round yeah this is like that but online so you can go into for example i just typed in hammer films oh okay it has everything from t-shirts to action figures to patches whatever all specifically for hammer films there are some really rare horror thing horror items on this but it it has everything uh-huh. so if you're someone like myself who loves to get horror merch yeah this is like the toys R us of horror merch oh that's yeah. great so those are two really cool things that i kind of stumbled upon this past week
0: that's awesome yeah the oscars are coming up too they mm-hmm. are. I was thinking about the Oscars Sunday, March 27th. And I think you've seen a lot of the, like, best picture ones at
1: least. I've right? seen the only one I haven't watched, mm-hmm. I think, of the best pictures is King Richard, surprisingly. I just haven't oh. gotten my hands on it yet. Okay. Um, but most of the other ones I've, uh, I think most of the other ones I've seen. Let me so look up the...
0: I've seen King Richard. I thought it was really great. I just love, if you're looking for a heartwarming story and and knowing uh, about their dad, the part that Will Smith plays, knowing about their dad and everything that he did for the Williams sisters in tennis, like that was just, I didn't know, right? So it was stuff I didn't know, but it was also heartwarming, definitely has ups and downs and, and you have, there's emotion in it and I really enjoyed it.
1: sorry, Licorice Pizza was the other one that I've been trying to get a screener for Mm -hmm. Um, and I I really want to see that because I love P.T. Anderson and I just love that it's about the valley. Yeah, for sure. Um, But that one I also
0: have not seen. Uh, I've seen Nightmare Alley Mm -hmm. and I've talked about Nightmare Alley before, so I don't really need to talk about it again. I basically like the first half and not the second half. That's the basic review. Uh, The Power of the Dog I did see and I I enjoyed Mm it in that enjoyment of a movie like Country for Old Men or yep. the the one that Danny Day-Lewis did about the oil farmer. That was a good, and There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood. Those sort of very tense, very kind of dark, very character-driven actor platforms. This, this one reminded me of that quite a bit. I liked it in that vein. So if you like those kinds of movies and you like it when it's dark and it's very actor driven, it's very much character studies oh and you get, and these actors, you can tell it's just like they're licking their lips. The rules are so juicy Yeah, and everybody and, and is great all the in performances it. are amazing. They knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if a, some of them win in the other awards, yeah. right? And I saw Don't Look Up. I didn't like it very much. I know a lot of people did. Yeah,
1: I liked it. Good. I thought it was fun. Good. Mm-hmm. What else? Any of um, other let's see, Dune. I saw most of Dune. It's Dune, you know, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's Dune. And I, it's I, long. <laughs> I, and I think it's gotten lost a bit because it came out a while ago. Right. I haven't seen the Drive My Car. Okay. Um, but I absolutely, no surprise, because everyone knows I love Spielberg, I absolutely loved West Side Story. And I think Justin Peck, who did the choreography, needs to win something because what was so brilliant about their the, the duo, Spielberg and Peck's duo in this, is that, of course, Spielberg, first of all, gets Rita Moreno to executive produce this film and play a part in it, which that just speaks for itself. And she's so fantastic as, uh, I think, Valentina, the store owner or whatever. But also, their work together, what Justin Peck did is he took the original choreography and didn't necessarily get rid of it but he did modernize it just enough without losing the integrity of the original film and then spielberg just did such a beautiful job with directing it i i know it's west side story everyone has seen it. a lot of people don't even really care for it but i thought they did such an amazing job with this film
0: yeah worth revisiting
1: oh my gosh
0: and then belfast Mm -mm.
1: bores the crap out of me
0: coda what does
1: Kenneth Brenna. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Coda. Those are the it. three. I didn't. Yeah. Those are the best pictures. I also <clears throat> just recently saw tick,
1: tick, boom. I did too.
0: It's only nominated for film editing, but I really enjoyed it. I thought
1: Garfield was uh, nominated for best actor.
0: Oh, is he? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. I'm yeah so and he sorry. was
1: fantastic in that.
0: He is. And he was, and I like him anyway. Mm-hmm. I've watched him He's in his comedy stuff in, in, this, in a role like this though. Wow. His comedy stuff is really great. Mm hmm. So I enjoyed that. And I, you know, again, if you want a feel good movie, and especially if you have any history in musical theater, which I worked for a musical theater company behind the scenes mostly for about five years in my 20s, like right out of college. So I have this like set, you know, there's that it's lovely to revisit. (laughs) Yeah, it's just nice to revisit that world for me. And so I see the familiarity of the the passion and the character quote-unquote sure. characters, yeah, because, of course, there are tropes that you see in musical theater. Yep. They're all represented, and I worked with them all. So
1: it was really I worked really in nice. theater, too. Yeah, you, you, nice. you get to know all that. Uh, the other one that I, I – who really actually kind of blew me away was Kristen Stewart in mm. Spencer. I thought her performance Great. was – Pretty phenomenal, and and I mean they did a really good job at you know making her look like Diana, but it was even her mannerisms and a lot of the non-verbals. I thought she worked really hard at that. Kristen Stewart, it's so interesting because she'll do a role and she's just Kristen Stewart, yep. and then sometimes she gets just the right role for her and she really just nails it. And this was an amazing the, the movies whatever, and it's really just you know, it's fictionalized to a certain extent. It's, it's a perspective, you know, obviously of the, the abuse and all that, that she went through when she found out that he had been cheating. And so they do this portrayal, but uh, it's very isolated in the sense that like, she really does a lot of this movie alone. (laughs) <laughs> um, except yeah. for with her her boys. Right. But I thought her performance was worth a watch.
0: Yeah, the movie's not like nominated for a
1: bunch of movie Mm-mm. stuff, just her performance. Her per- so she's yeah, obviously she's the standout yeah.
0: part of that. So
1: yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've still
0: got several screeners, several different things to get through. I did watch Encanto, which is about halfway through it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's I, it's really cute. I think it's cute and it's fun. And I, I, I was emotional about it. Like I watched mm-hmm. it in one sitting, and for me, it's easier to get emotional about something if I just like sure. watch it. You know, we can't do that with all the movies, but I ended up really enjoying that. There's a there's a few others. I know that Cruella is up for makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, that was a super fun movie. That was if a lot you of haven't fun. seen that, yeah, one. that was that a lot was of fun. super fun. So
1: there's a lot of good. There's some good stuff up this year. I'll always be curious to see. You know what happens, but.
0: There's always some good stuff. I yeah.
1: And that is why
0: I am interested in the Oscars. Not because horror is represented in a great way there. It's not. But I like other kinds of movies and so do you. Yes. And you know what the next thing is? I'm going to oh, mix it up a little wow, bit. Okay. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. excited. And we're going to throw in the horror facts theme that you have not heard oh. in a while that always throws you for a loop. Here okay. we go. <laughs> with <laughs> I remember one time we did that one and it was like death metal. Yeah, you really have to count the beats. You scream it's just so Yeah, you just yeah, mm-hmm. You have to be more musical. It's a lot of bass. You have to be more musical. It's it's uh we call it the stray cat horror facts yeah. with Kath. That's the Stray vibes. cat with Cath. That's the Stray cat. You are a stray cat.
1: Okay. You ready? I am. Number 1. During World War 2, children did not go trick or treating. Sugar was being rationed and traditions were paused. They were paused and then repopularized by which comic strip? Okay. Number two. I picked this one just for you. Thank you. The largest Ouija board <laughs> was just how large? <laughs> okay. I got a little bit more facts in the answer too. <laughs> I'm
0: excited to learn the, the horror facts.
1: Number three, how young was Houdini when he first performed live and how much was he paid? Oh, okay. Number four, what fruit lights on fire in the microwave? (laughs) Did
0: you do that recently or?
1: No, it's just sometimes I'll look up these random, I remember I texted you the other night. I'm like, now all of a sudden I'm like, down the rabbit hole of circus freaks. Like I'll just find <laughs> yeah, random stuff. Yeah. Number five. These are the texts I get from. Yeah. <laughs> did you know, did you know, <laughs> okay, and, but I found the original, uh, pepper from American horror story, like the twins that she was based off of. Nice. Uh, what bug has been known to survive weeks without their head?
0: <laughs> That's just regulating. And where's the horror movie about it is my question. Well, oh, you're going to mention it see we got questions and we got answers thank you kathy we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back today on the show we are going to talk about guillermo del toro we'll be right back (laughs) i just wanted to hear it again you want to (gasps) sing there you go okay bye for now
1: good music for him
0: i thought so i picked it out special i made sure it was on the buttons that was perfect <laughs> go for it
1: we can't wait i love guillermo and i had seen a lot of like i've seen his movies but i watched him obviously we watch things very differently when we do it for the show and i watched more of his horror stuff great because you know he does a lot of fantasy as he well. does
0: a lot of different stuff
1: and some of it's a combo depending on the movie, but mm-hmm. who is he? Guillermo, Guillermo. There you go. Del Toro Gomez is actually his last name, is a Mexican film director, producer, screenwriter, and author. He is best known for his Academy Award-winning fantasy films, Pan's Labyrinth and The Shape of Water, winning the Oscars for Best Director and Best Picture for the latter. Um, so the reason I picked him is because... I love the fact that he's probably the last director that still uses a lot of practical effects. He does. And he has really been able to master, which a lot of people do not do successfully, he has been able to master using a combination of practical and digital together. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of directors will either just use digital or that when they try to do a combo, it just doesn't work. And he is the master at this. And so for someone like myself who loves the classic creature feature, I picked him just to have a conversation about some of his monsters and his influences and he put so much depth even into the meaning behind the monsters, which I think, you know, is so incredible. We were just talking a moment ago about the Oscars, how they don't really do horror justice and a lot of really, and I know we're going to be talking about, Takashi next week and people that chalk his stuff up to just torture porn, it's like really missing the depth of who he is. That's how I feel about Guillermo. It's so much bigger than just, you know, the the visual art artistry is amazing, mm-hmm. but he has a lot of stories behind his monsters and, and how he created them and, and what they mean. So I do want to talk about a few of them he started to sketch his nightmares is what he would do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he, um, he had a journal, like he has like a journal that he just, he'll wake up from a a nightmare and he'll start drawing the creature. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he hired Dick Smith. Dick Smith ended up doing a lot of his, he would take the creatures off the page and they would then create it for real, you know, for his films but he also, Del Toro also spent most of the 80s working, on, uh, working as a special effects makeup artist. So he already had that eye. Um, and, and he co-founded, I think it's Necropia, which is a special effects company. So he obviously has you know a background in this stuff anyway. Yeah, it's like a passion to, of his. Absolutely. So he's been able to incorporate that in his work. I want to talk about just four of his monsters. You've seen Hellboy, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So the Angel of <laughs> Death. I I really like it. I love the Hellboy series, by the way. (laughs) So Angel of Death, obviously his his story behind that was this is the manifestation of death. The Pale Man in Pan's Labyrinth is one of the creepiest scenes, even though that's a fantasy. I want to talk about that movie. Pan's Labyrinth, um, the Pale Man is supposed to stand for all institutions of evil, including the white man.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's what is behind that. Uh, then we have the Reapers from Blade Two and then the Judas breed from Mimic. And he's got a lot more. But these are I mean, these are just some of his most amazing. I mean scary stories in the dark or
0: whatever, the (laughs) the recent one. I like that movie.
1: For sure. So I absolutely loved Pan's Labyrinth and I had never seen it all the way through. Okay. So all of the obviously all of the artwork in that, but then the characters too, like the Fawn, who is really the main character who mm-hmm. lures her in. His creativity. I can sit and watch and I, I know a lot of people think his movies are really long and whatever, but I um I love Pan's Labyrinth and I really loved The Shape of Water. And Me the too. psychology in that film, and the and the way that he created that relationship between the monster and her, and so I was reading a little bit about how, like who he was influenced by, okay. and he said that the filmmaking, his filmmaking, has been hugely influenced by James Whale's 1931 screen adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. You and I have always talked about how no one ever does that movie well, <laughs> I, uh, um, in my opinion. Right. So the movie. Is The way that he sees it, it's very sympathetic towards its monster, which he does in The Shape of Water, Mm -hmm. um, with a performance by Boris Karloff that, in Toro's words, manages to transmit both fragility and power. Mm -hmm. And this is a big part of his... His creations tend to always have that balance. Like when we think about Mimic and the Judas Breed, how it starts off as this really sort of vulnerable cloning of this bug... Right, and then becomes this terrifying that's a terrifying movie. Yeah. I hadn't watched it in a long time and I rewatched. Have you seen Mimic? Uh, not recently, oh, no. Oh my gosh. So and it's interesting too, watching it after the pandemic. Oh my bet. Because um. the story is that, you know there's this, this bug that's in, infesting mostly children, right, and children are dying. so these scientists go in and they recreate, with like similar DNA or whatever, they create this clone that's supposed to overtake uh-huh. the bugs that yes, are killing. Yes, yes. And then over, over time, they realize these bugs are supposed to kill themselves off once they, they take out the original bug. What they find out over time as they're not, they're starting to procreate, and they're starting to get as big as us. Yeah. and they start to take over and the the first scene where you see the judas breed in its full form yeah i, I mean it's it's so eerie because the shot is mere sorvino <laughs> and then in the back is like the judas breed but yes. he's like in the dark so yes. you just see his silhouette so creepy his monsters are incredible yes yes they're very personified so i really i just i just what's so terrifying about them so I terrifying think, because we
0: relate and then we're all then we're scared because we're scared of ourselves right for
1: sure the other thing I really love about him is the depth that he puts into in into horror. Uh, he uses a lot of drama. So, did mm. you ever see The Orphanage? No. Okay. The Orphanage is another really good one that has the the same. Um, the orphanage is it, it has the same flavor of like the Babadook. Okay. So.
0: Is it also about grief? or It is
1: about grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman brings her family back to her childhood home, which used to be an orphanage for handicapped children. Mm-hmm. Before long, her son starts uh, to communicate with, you know, she's like, what is going on? He starts to act very strange. Um, and he starts to communicate with an invisible new friend. And you find out over time... What, I'm not going to give it away because I think people should. If 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 you haven't seen it and you like him, yeah, this is a perfect example of uh, a very character-driven and dramatic influence on horror, and it has a Babadook feel because it is about grief and the ending. I don't know how he pulls it off because it's it's quite terrifying. But then in the ending, you're just like, oh, oh, it's he, got this like got the feels. You get the feels, and S- Shape of Water did the same thing for me. He so. does that. He does that. Yep, I think Hands
0: Labyrinth he- did that. I think he's very emotional. I think he gets to the emotional core of these kinds of movies.
1: I will share the one movie that I didn't care for and I still haven't been mm-hmm. able to finish because I'm really like having to watch it in 20-minute chunks and I really just don't care about it. It's, <laughs> You're it's, like, I'm trying. Do I'm trying. <laughs> I'm really trying. I have a student who's like, Dr. Bear, just finish it. She's <laughs> like, it's really not his best, but I, I want you to finish it so we can talk about it. It's Crimson Peak. Oh, people love that movie. I know, and I just don't care about the characters. <laughs> like, and I just don't. The only character I care about is the dog. <laughs> and I'm 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 turning every like every time the dog turns the corner, I'm like, Don't kill the dog. I really don't care about her very much. Um, Jessica Chastain is amazing in it. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen this one? Yes. Crimson Peak? Okay. So is it worth well, finishing? Well I wasn't
0: like Yeah, of course it's worth okay. finishing because you're I know a person who needs to finish I the do. movies I that do you watch because you got to get back to us. So, and I'm sure it will be like a not wah wah because you don't like it already. So you're not going to care about the ending. It's not the worst movie I've seen.
1: I guess I'm just having well, a hard time no. really caring, <laughs> caring about her and caring okay. about.
0: Okay. I mean, that's fair. And, and alternatively, like, I think it's blue. Uh, our patron blue. I love that movie. I think it's her that said that. Okay. But, but uh, yeah, no, people love that movie. I know. I, I don't, it doesn't feel like that to me. Like I'm not in love with that. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel, but you know, I think you have to like that um, genre. I think you have to like that time period.
1: It's a period piece. Like Mm -hmm. not
0: everybody's into period stuff. And
1: some, some of the scenes with the creature though, are quite frightening. Like the, uh, again, he does this really great job, right? Okay. So so visually, Mm -hmm. uh, which is another part of his work, even if I don't care for the movie, visually his work is stunning. Yeah. Well, and he did the strain. Did you ever, ever watch the strain? yep he did the strain and all of his the the lenses that he uses and the filtering that he uses it's almost like you're watching a painting and of course he wrote nightmare alley yeah (laughs) which i have you know nightmare alley was another one i i 100 agree with you where the beginning was the best part and then it fell off for me
0: yep for me too it's just that's the way it went because it was two different movies yeah. And um, I think it was Pepper that said, like, when we were watching it, she's like, uh, it should have like, it could have been a series so easily. And maybe it was at some point, some incarnation. Yeah. But I think that with COVID, you know, a lot of filmmakers, you're seeing these two and a half hour long movies, two and a half, three hour movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just something that's happened in our culture where because of the streaming, because there was a whole lot of nothing for Mm -hmm. a long time. We're getting these massive products. So it's like, Oh, I didn't make a series, but I made this massive movie. Yeah. So I am attempting to give them the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. that we're going the Scorsese route that we're making like three hour movies again, uh, because of just culturally that kind of happening. So I give them a pass with that. But again, like it was still two different movies. I was
1: excited because it was him. And then I was like, <laughs> so that in Crimson Peak kind of gave me an eh, right? and you know
0: he's and you know he's doing scary stories in the yeah. dark too, and he's doing haunted mansion. Yeah, oh, ladies God, and gentlemen,
1: yes. I can't wait. So he just there will be actual monsters, probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. he's going to be good. So for me, I think there is, even though I obviously I didn't watch him when I was younger, he wasn't really doing stuff. Right. There's a very there's a a, a nostalgia I think when I watch his films because um, mm. he uses a a really. There's a beautiful way that he creates these characters. He The way that he uses children in films, I think is brilliant. Like Pan's Labyrinth, her character was so, and and what a great choice. That little girl was so good. The gentleness of the creatures... Like like he was saying, the gentleness with the power. Mm-hmm. I think he really masters that. So there's this anti-hero that you're you're kind of rooting for. Not the Pale Man, but like um, like in Shape of Water, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or the Fawn that you don't really know whether to trust him or not. In Pan's Labyrinth, you still don't want to see him hurt. No, right? And no. the little fairies and all yeah. of those. I mean, the, it just he brings out a lot of emotion, and then because he uses all of the, the practical effects, he is so much fun to watch and I loved the Hellboy series. Yeah, yeah, they're a lot of fun. And he does a lot of great producing too. I mean he did antlers, mm-hmm. right? And he's done some other stuff this year. So I just I really I know people have a, like some people think you whatever, but those are really the reasons I chose him and why I love him so much. Yeah, no. Yeah. He's fantastic. Was it was it fun to
0: revisit the whole Oh yeah. Like all these. I mean it sounds like there's a few you hadn't even there a seen a few I hadn't
1: seen the Orphanage. It, it's all in gosh is it spanish or portuguese it's one of them i think mm-hmm. but it's just it, it's it is like a babadook movie and it moves a little bit slow but if you can if you can get through that uh, initial slow burn mm-hmm. it's a beautiful story oh good yeah, but it's terrifying
0: do you happen to know <laughs> did he write that and direct it or uh, I did don't he know. yeah i'm just Maybe curious didn't. because i also know there's like a mimic 2 i remember that he wrote the devil's backbone I think he directed yeah, that one too. I think he did too. And Kronos, like those were earlier ones. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I love the Hellboy series. Like Pacific Rim, he does all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But you always know it's him. He's one of those people. It's like, you always know a Spielberg movie. You always, I always know an Eastwood movie because he's got a very clear directorial style. Scorsese has like a very similar, like they're, these, these directors with a very strong voice. Yeah. I think are super important.
1: Yeah, they, absolutely. So I think Del Toro actually produced The Orphanage. Mm-hmm. Is what, so he had his hand in it, but I don't think he... He didn't write or direct I don't it. I think he wrote or directed, but it's 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 a Spanish film. Yeah, so it was Spanish. yeah,
0: Spanish. And I I know he's uh, produced a lot of different stuff, like you said, antlers and stuff. And
1: I I enjoyed antlers. I know a lot of people. I liked them. that one too. Mm-hmm. So he's that's done a cool. lot of really great work. But his creature work is really what I just love about him. Uh, love about his work. And um, I always enjoy. And that's why I think Crimson Peak. I I would just it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't one of my favorites. Pan's Labyrinth is. One of the best. So that's maybe your
0: maybe the favorite. I think or at least right now.
1: Uh, yeah. But you know, <laughs> Mimic was also really terrifying. That was a great movie. If you haven't watched it in a while, I recommend it. No, and- I will. And
0: I haven't seen I don't think I've seen Mimic two, so it might be a garbage fire, but you know. <laughs> might be a garbage fire. <laughs> I mean, you know, sequels. Yeah, it's like for, for sure. I mean the Hellboys. I've never really ranked the Hellboys, but the first one's the only one I really remember. I've watched, I've seen the, there's
1: two or three. I've three, seen, I think. Yeah, I think I've seen the first two and I love them both. Okay, yeah. Cool. I'll so to revisit those as well. That'd that's, be fun.
0: That's my guy. All right. Thank you so much for bringing that. We uh, Next week we'll do Takashi Mike. and that'll be a very slightly different conversation. Very different but, conversation. <laughs> but I'm not going to make it too, it's not too heavy. It's yeah. not a heavy thing because... That man has a lot to bring, obviously, to the world. He's he's made over hundred films, so it's like yep. he's all over the place. Yeah. It's a little bit of a different whereas Guillermo has I mean, Guillermo has a very consistent voice and style, mm-hmm. and the kind of story he wants to make is very consistent and similar, yeah, in my opinion. Yep. But yeah. So yep. thanks so much for that. Sure. So we'll be back in a moment to talk about books and movies. We'll be right back. right let's hit the ground running with hell house we just in our book club we just finished hell house by richard matheson here's the (laughs) just i don't even i I don't know there's a part of me that doesn't even want to describe it because it's like so convoluted in a way but anyway it's basically a haunted house hell house can any soul survive question mark Regarded as the Mount Everest of Haunted Houses, Belasco House has witnessed scenes of almost unimaginable horror and depravity. Two previous expeditions to investigate its secrets met with disaster, the participants destroyed by murder, suicide, or insanity. Now, a new investigation has been mounted, for strangers, each with his, her, his or her own reason for daring the unknown torments and temptations of the mansion. So that is basically what it is. They're going on an expedition yeah. to not get killed by a ghostie. a ghostie that's been haunting this house for a long time. Right. And so we're going to attempt to do no spoilers, mm-hmm. but I'm really looking forward to our book club voice chat, which we're having very soon on this book because I got stuff to say about the end. But oh, yeah, we will not be doing that on the show today because if you haven't read it, you know, it's Matheson as you guys may know what dreams may come stir of echoes, echoes legend one i have legend i am, I am legend, legend. Mm-hmm. yeah like so a lot of books that are well loved by a lot of people i was reading you know that this one comes off like oh that's a stinker like a lot of yeah. people don't like this book i don't know what was your
1: i i liked um i didn't hate the book i Thought, so that's one <laughs> that's not a resounding but But know. I but I liked the beginning of the book much more than the ending. I would agree with that. Because I think the first sixty five percent of the book was pretty solid. Okay. And then mm-hmm. then it starts to take some turns where it kind of feels like he's like, Oh, let's just throw some of that in there. And then then mm-hmm. I that know it
0: did kind of sort of like,
1: where are we going? I know. And even <laughs> the ending, which we're not gonna talk about it, even the ending felt a little bit like Did you make it up at the end or did you know that the whole time you were writing it? Did you just get tired? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I, it was hard to not laugh a little bit at at the ending. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, okay. So this is seventies, right? Yeah. Early seventies. So culturally it's very different. And I, you know, our book club read Rosemary's baby and absolutely loved that book. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't see the movie the same way anymore Mm -hmm. because the book is so good. We are going to do a group watch in our discord of this movie this week. Uh, One of the things we're going to plan out is like a night to watch Mm -hmm. the movie. And I'm really curious uh, because the movie is PG. It's
1: from 2015. Is it that one? No, it's from
0: like 1973 or something. No, no, no. There's an OG with Roddy. I see. I see. With Roddy McDowell. The Legend of Hell
1: House. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Anyway.
1: Yeah. uh, The book is not PG. No, no. And so lots of boob foo. I mean, so much that I think, you know, if we do like the ice mannequin breakdown, like every time a boob is mentioned, I think there's like a boob mentioned every other page. Mm -hmm. When we get to like three quarters of the way through the rest of the book is just tits and nipples. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of lesbian overtone. Yeah. I mean, he, it was like he was writing a fantasy for himself. Maybe so. That's what it sort of felt like. To, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, come out of it, guy. We're all sitting here trying to read this, and you're now like, just turn this into a soft porn. Well, in the 70s, I mean,
0: Mick, right out of the 60s, he's probably writing it in the late 60s. Yeah. You know, like right out of the 60s, like it was like we did not, we were okay with talking about boobs,
1: but now, hmm. well, it was the way that the boobs were talked about. Well, tell me about that. How were they I, talked I just, about I that d- you didn't like? Because it was, it was like a. Uh, First, it felt sort of like clinical, and okay. then it moved sexual, and then there was like this weird combo. <laughs> I don't know the way he I, I can't really articulate it, but uh, articulate it. Um, <laughs> yeah. but 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 I remember reading it going, Has this guy ever like seen a boob? Oh, or you sure. know, I don't know, it just felt really felt a little removed, a little bit, and mm-hmm. yeah, because I'm not offended by mm-hmm. reading stuff about boobs or sex, but the way he wrote it was like. <laughs> And, the, and then just the constant, like, purple nipples with the, the bruising and all of that. I'm like, okay, we get it. Her <laughs> nipples are bruised by the cat. Well, this is why
0: I'm, like, now reading the book. It's like, the movie's PG. Like how, th- that's a big a part of sexual, this movie. Yes. That whole chunk that you're saying that didn't go very well. But like, it was
1: also rated PG in 1973. Yeah, Which true. I would say would probably be more of a PG-13 now. Okay, well, we'll so see. now we they're they're going to say the word boob. I'm guessing there's no
0: purple nipples, <laughs> but we're going to unless gonna it's watch, on the cat. We'll, I don't know. Our book club's going to watch it and uh, check it out, and we'll get back to you. But I, what'd you think? I struggled yeah. with this book, okay, and I don't know if it's just you know you've had this issue before too, like where I was reading other stuff that was just more interesting, yeah, and so having to keep coming back to it was just like. Oh God, I got it. But it's really good that we have the paste reading as well. Like yes. even even if people don't show up for like our Sunday night chats, it's fine because you get to do whatever you want. But I like it because I have a due date because some, sometimes like, Me too. like I don't want to, I don't want to read it and I will like Bogart that book. Like right. I will be like, mm, I don't feel like it. And then it'll just drag on and then I'll never finish. And that's not good for a book club, especially a book club that you kind of facilitate. <laughs> it's like, nah, I got to finish the book. Yeah. But yeah, no, I really struggled. So there were many, many, many times in this book where I would realize I had read five pages and I didn't, like I wasn't paying attention. Mm. You know how you do that? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, shit. Yep. Now I got to reread it. But there were some sections I did not reread. So- I missed like I can be very honest like I missed things in this book yeah. because your mind wasn't there because I did that and then I would get it and I'm thinking like well I can tell by like I'm checking back in now and I'm reading this page and I can tell I haven't missed a plot point mm. so I don't really need to reread the three pages okay. that I like blanked out on so I got the basic idea and the arc of the story and I tuned in for the ending so I knew what the fuck happened but I just struggled, and for me, that just means it can mean a lot of things. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad book, but it definitely means that I didn't care too much. Sure, about the people, probably. Well,
1: the people were not likable. Not one person. Right. The only one that I was okay with was Fisher.
0: Oh yeah, he, no, they all suck.
1: He was the only one that I was like, okay, like I I can follow
0: him, but I liked them all. I liked I liked them all fine in the beginning.
1: I didn't really like Barrett from the beginning, which is funny. Well, not
0: not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, funny. you know, there was um,
1: a there was a rating of who I liked more, but like, yeah.
0: none of them. I didn't hate them at the beginning, but I just remember by like the third week of our of our text chats with the book club, everybody was like, "I hate these people. They should all die." Yeah, I
1: mean, Florence was the worst. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good old Flo and her purple nipples. Flo and Edith and yeah, lesbians. Let's,
1: lots of lesbians.
0: Yeah, which, um, whatever. but 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 not. But all not all at the same time. But written by a man, right? Ooh, what? Look at that. Mm. Go figure. But you know what? Some men knock it out of the park. Like yeah. some men very in tune with their because they're actually right about lesbians he
1: wasn't writing about lesbians no no
0: and in 1973 i don't think a lot of people were so i mean not men anyway at least not in this kind of popular Uh novel i'm sure there was ton of literature that like we're talking out our ass we don't know all the literature that was happening in the early 70s so i'm sure there are (laughs) books about lesbians like please don't write me but like (laughs) but but in this kind of popular horror novel we're just making our way through some seventies horror novels, so no. again, not experts, but this one was, um, hmm. yeah, just kind of disconnected with the emotion. Yeah, of it, yeah, it, I think so. There's that. Our next book, mm-hmm, we vote on our books, and so the next book is Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin, and this will be a very different book <laughs> from that from what we just read. Which is cool, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have it up? Do you want to? I don't have it up. Oh, then I will do it. So, yeah. Uh, The Last Man meets the girl with all the gifts. I've seen that movie. That was really great. In Gretchen Felker Martin's Manhunt, an explosive post-apocalyptic novel that follows trans women and men on a grotesque journey of survival. Beth and Fran spend their days traveling the ravaged New England coast, hunting feral men and harvesting their organs in a gruesome effort to ensure they'll never face the same fate. Yeah, so like a revenge fantasy a little bit? Yeah, Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic. Trans characters, which we thought was great. That's pretty cool. uh, Because I haven't watched I mean watched (laughs) yeah there's a lot of movies I it's very timely it's you know gender based apocalypse story yeah and that's just what I love when we vote for books and uh, ice I think it was ice's choice it was and we all I think we all hit it and we all (laughs) voted for it yeah most of us not everybody but what I like is, you know, reading things that are I haven't read a lot of, and so reading a non-binary uh, a story with transgendered people and non-binary people in it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, very cool. And it, kind of a new voice in horror, too, so never read this author, don't have any idea what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be great. It could be not great. I don't know. So we're excited about that. I'm almost
1: done with Secrets in the Dark. Where are you at with it? I am so... Doran and our girl. What's her name? Dart. Uh, no, that's the that's author. The author.
0: <laughs> I'm forgetting right now. The two characters that are traveling. You're about halfway through, maybe. Yeah, a little bit over halfway. through. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm close to the end. Maybe, maybe by the next time, I you don't know, no, in two or three weeks, we'll we'll be able to talk about that. It's the second in the Darcy Coates series, Whispers in the Dark, Voices in the Snow. So we're in the second book. There are four books. This one is a heftier one, but. It's, I think the last time we talked about it, you said you were kind of like, eh, but
1: now you're back in it.
0: I'm back in it. Cool. Right on. I look forward to talking about that with you. Yeah. All right. Let's do movies. What,
1: what did you watch? Well, I wanted to first talk to you about a book or Jesus, a movie (laughs) that you had seen a while back and I had been meaning to get around to it. It's actually from 2020 and finally did and just loved it was Promising Young Woman. Oh, one of my favorites of that Sundance year. Oh my gosh. And then I had to wait Um, a year for
0: everyone to see it because.
1: I mean, Carrie Mulligan's always great, Mm -hmm. but she nailed this. It's such a fun movie. And it is really talk about a revenge fantasy. I really like it. It was awesome and i know a lot of people have probably seen it by now but maybe but you know, we talk some, about movies from the 70s so yeah so the the movie is nothing in cassie's life is what it appears to be she's wickedly smart uh tantalizingly cunning and she is living a secret double life by night now an unexpected encounter is about to give cassie a chance to fight the uh, chance to right the wrongs from the past but she does do a lot of fighting it's very feminist it's very revenge fantasy. There's a lot of humor, like gallows humor in it though. You bet. You bet. Um, Chris Lowell, who is just the biggest dick in this movie, just plays <laughs> such a, he does it such a good job. Yes, he does. Jennifer Coolidge is the mom who's always good. She's always um, funny. Yeah. I, I just, she I, lends a little quirkiness to it. That's she really does. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of humor in it because it, because it's a very heavy topic. I mean, it's about rape. Yes. Um, it's about college rape. Yes, and but they handle it in a very different way. A very different way. Because that
0: trope has been, and I'm sorry to call it a trope, but they, they turned it into a trope. It's something that happens to a lot of women, but they've turned it into one of these horror tropes where like the, the revenge, of course, horror fantasy, but also just specifically like the college boy yeah. rape thing right, is in a lot of movies, but this is handled very... Well,
1: and I think what I really like about it too is it it, um, it demonstrates how men. I'm using this is a blanket statement. Not yeah, all yeah. men generalizing generalizing here, but how how many men are really turned on by women who appear less intelligent, you know, incoherent,
0: more easily controllable, more maybe, easily controllable is where I think that goes. But
1: and, and also just a hell of a lot dumber than them. Yep. And she really uses that. Yep to, from the to, from the to to her moment strength.
0: one. Yeah, in a, in funny ways, and then in very serious ways. So it really hits a lot of the notes, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the emotional notes, and it was incredibly popular at Sundance was the hardest ticket to get kind of movie. And then when it came out and then I just know a lot of people really like that movie. It's a success. So if you've even seen me. it, if it's one that just wasn't on your radar that year, cause of course we can't watch everything. Right. That might be one to go back and revisit for sure. I saw a 2022 movie just recently actually called fresh. Okay. 2022 horror comedy. Although I don't know, <laughs> I didn't laugh. It wasn't like a wah wah. It wasn't like a funny, funny movie to me. It's getting really good reviews, but I just really like it. Uh, as gripping as it is upsetting, Fresh makes a provocative meal out of the horror of modern dating. This is direct. It's a female director. So mm-hmm. in our in our Discord, we do challenges from time to time, and this month we're doing a challenge. And then whoever finishes the challenge, I send them a box of goodies. And this month is Women's History Month, so the challenge is all female-oriented stars and female-directed movies, so this was part of that. Uh, It's directed by Mimi Cave. Fresh follows Noah, female, Daisy Edgar-Jones who meets the alluring Steve played by Sebastian Stan at a grocery store and given her frustration with dating apps, takes a chance and gives him her number after their first date. Noah is smitten and accepts Steve's invitation to a romantic getaway only to find that her new paramour has been hiding some unusual appetites. Mm. So anybody who watches horror movies can only know that that's a cannibalism movie. So What I will tell you is that there's that. So trigger around that. Like if you don't like the subgenre of cannibalism horror, which a lot of female directors are actually getting into, which, you know, check your symbolism on that. Mm -hmm. It's quite good, though, I will say. I mean, it's always, of course, everything's always a little bit slow in the second part of act two. Yeah. When they're driving towards the climax but you you're interested in the characters a few things happen and it's one of those movies where you're like no ah no don't oh what are you doing that for like don't do it don't go yeah yeah yeah. it's all the red why are you going in the basement yeah Yeah. it's Mm -hmm. that kind of movie where you're sort of screaming at her yeah but that can work or not work so when you're looking at movies like that and you're going no 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 it either ruins it because they're too stupid and you, as a viewer, you go like, come on. Right? Or they nail it like in the zone of you buy it. Okay. It's like I bought the basic premise that she was in a vulnerable state. And maybe it's because I've dated online. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I've dated in general or like I've broken up with someone and then I had to go back to dating and then, and then been demoralized isn't quite uh, disillusioned is probably the best okay. word. Like I've been disillusioned sure. by my choices or whatever in the past. And so she's just in that vulnerable place where you're just like, everybody sucks. Right. And then she meets him in the grocery store. So I think there's that you just buy it. And okay. I kind of checked in with the people that I was watching it with. And I was like, I just, I buy that. And they're like, yeah, we buy it too. So it makes a difference. Yeah. I think, uh, so we watched that in the discord on Saturday, oh. but I would recommend it. It's pretty good.
1: Sounds good. Mm-hmm. I watched a movie. It's actually from... It's older. It's from 2010. It was in the Toronto International Film Festival. It was a movie called Good Neighbors. Scott Speedman's in it among a couple... He's probably the, someone who people know the most out of the cast. It's a pretty unknown cast for the most part. Anyway... I It gets really mixed reviews, but I'll tell you what I like about it in a moment. It takes place in an apartment complex. I think it's like in New York or something. So they describe it as an ultra-violent thriller about three neighbors, Victor, Spencer, and Louise, who live in a three-story brownstone apartment building in, oh, in Montreal. That would make sense. It's Canadian film. Mm-hmm. The three unlikely friends enjoy sharing tales of a serial killer who's raping dead women in their local neighborhood. Then an angry tenant poisons Louise's beloved cats, spurring Louise to plan mortal revenge on the woman. Uh yeah. Yeah. Um, all while this is happening, there's other murders going on, and you know who the serial killer is. Okay. Okay. So some of the some of the reviews are like, it's spoiled too soon, they revealed serial killer too quickly, it's too violent. Here's the deal, guys. One, it's a satire. There's a lot of humor in it. And two, it's the point of the movie is not to figure out who the serial killer is. The point of the movie is to watch Obviously. how the serial killer has been clowning around and, and creating all of this madness and confusion, getting people pinned up against each other and watching it like an episode of, of Rowan Martin's laughing, right? It's like people (laughs) popping out of one apartment then that's going on. And then this is going on. And so it is not a movie for everybody, but I thought it was kind of fun. Okay, cool, and yeah, I I enjoyed it. Kind of a movie you got to be in the mood for. Yeah, it, it was, it's it, it was um it was on, and I was like, okay, this looks kind of interesting. And at the beginning, I wasn't sure. I'm like, I don't know, because her character is not very likable. But at the same time, again, you're not really supposed to like them, because at the beginning, they're all kind of suspect, right? Sure. And then you figure out what's going on, and you're like, wow, they're all assholes, <laughs> and that's sort of the point, right? Right, right, so, right. right. Yeah. So you kind
0: of. It's one of those movies where it sounds like you kind of got the voice of it right yeah. away. And maybe some people just that's didn't right. catch yeah. on to that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And it is pretty violent. I mean, that's not for
0: everybody, but it was
1: uh, it was clever. Fair.
0: I watched a movie called Hellbender. It was one of those Shudder originals that dropped. And uh, I, I tried to catch those last month. 2021, directed by Toby Poser, John Adams, et al. <laughs> There's a bunch of people. Mm. Uh, John Adams and Zelda Adams so there, it's this family there's this family who makes these films a lonely teen discovers her family ties with witchcraft and yep that's pretty much the plot this movie is getting pretty good audience reviews okay. and the and critic reviews like people are really really digging it it's a strict horror 90 minutes long or whatever, 86 minutes long or something like that. I did not like this movie. Like, okay, it's very low budget. That's fine. The CGI is wonky. That's fine. These are not reasons to hate a movie necessarily.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The story, for lack of a better... Like, it just what is happening there's all this like bizarre stuff that's happening and you know me i don't mind bizarre stuff i'm going to talk about takashi miike next week right he does a lot of bizarre movies and
1: i don't like all his movies either but like bizarre is not always good you know, some people like it, oh, it's it's really bizarre and they chalk, but not, bizarre is not always good.
0: Yeah. So the basic idea is a teen and her mother live simply in a home in the woods. And that's true. Like they're just kind of living off of the land. It's got those witchy vibes, which is why I was attracted to it. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be cool. Spending their time making metal music. So you've got these scenes where there's two, you know, a woman, A mother who's playing the guitar and a girl who's playing the drums and they're in like a black room but all you see is like the they're like neck up kind of and it's shot really low budget or poorly i would say and they wear like kiss makeup you know like makeup on their face and these outfits and stuff and they play this music and it's not metal that's Weird. So I don't know. Yeah. These are nitpicky things for me. <laughs> just I'm good. like all of the PR says they play metal music so like you hear that and I'm like well that's cool. Witches and ladies making yeah. metal music like what's not to like and right. then Ugh. a chance encounter with a fellow teen causes her to uncover a connection between her family and witchcraft which causes a rift with her mother. So that is what happens. She She ends up going swimming at like the neighbor's yard or whatever and you do get the impression that mom has kept her Almost hostage and away from other people. And that could be really interesting, obviously. And then she's sort of out in the woods one day and she sees this girl in a pool and she's like, hey, you know, like trying to make friends like she's so she's poorly socialized. Now, my favorite my favorite scene, this young woman, this young girl who is part of this family that makes these movies is the best part of this movie. She gives up really solid performance, this teenage girl. I don't know how old she is in real life, but she's playing a teenage girl. It's a really solid performance. And the scenes I like the most were when she sort of finds this girl, they end up talking, she's incredibly socially awkward. She says wrong things. She has like a witchcraft (laughs) aneurysm in the middle of it, you know, and she starts screaming and these kids are like, what the? And then she gets, you know, she gets bullied about it a little bit in conversation, you know. So like those scenes were a little bit interesting. Somebody was watching it with was really mad at this movie. You want to guess who? yeah pepper yeah pepper was really mad at this movie she was like railing about the patriarchy during the middle (laughs) of the movie like she was so mad she was so mad at this movie like she was mad for like two hours after what and again another thing about this is white privilege and she was going off like and i have no i i don't know (laughs) what was happening there and i i'm sorry pepper but i (laughs) because <laughs> I was just watching like a bad movie that didn't come together for
1: me. And she she found some but real she was profound pissed. depth. Yes. Well, she okay. was
0: offended okay. by this movie. Okay. So, All right.
1: Well, we know how... how uh... So you So you
0: have a range of... You have this range. You have that. You have hatred. And then you have like a 98% of critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. And a 73% of yeah. like, of audience, which is really good for audience reviews, because yeah. people love to say, like I am today, it's horrible. But and then you have me it's kind of in the middle, like, okay, that performance is good. There's a mm-hmm. couple of witchy things I enjoyed, but like, mm-hmm. it did not come together for me. So okay. And good there it know. is. I do not recommend but for those of you who watch all of the shutter originals, like I do like be warned.
1: Well, with that, I'll I'll end mine real quickly because there's not much to say about this either. <laughs> and I will warn all of you out there who like true crime documentaries. And I'm trying to find, trying to sift through some of these to see if they're worth watching and for us to talk about. This is not one. <laughs> okay. um, so Dennis Nielsen, a lot of people know who he is. He uh, was a Scottish serial killer and necrophile who murdered at least 12 young men and boys between 1978 and 1983 in London. There's a documentary out on Netflix that got really good reviews called Memories of a Murderer, the Nielsen tapes. Okay. Uh, I mean, they could have just thrown this into a document documentary about him. I couldn't even really like when they play the tapes, it's not even, it's still a lot of other people talking about Dennis Nielsen. I'm like the whole point of this documentary was to hear things that he had to say. And yes, Yes, he did say some things. Five minutes of it, but it's not the Nielsen tapes. It's people talking about the Nielsen was tapes, it like a four-part series as well. No, oh, thank it was God. only an hour and a half. Thank God. I know. I wouldn't have finished it. Yeah.
0: Um, but you know what they're doing there—the Ted Bundy tapes.
1: Well, that's they're just right, mimicking it, right? And it kind of had the flavor of How Jeffrey annoying. Jeffrey Dahmer, where you know he had to live with a lot of things in his head. Okay. He couldn't come out of the closet. He lived under constraints of society. Like, so he talked, I mean, he does talk on the, and those parts are interesting, but damn, it's boring. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> All
0: right. So then that brings us to,
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. Our answers. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to some more effects with Kath, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Shannon, what comic brought back trick-or-treating after World War II? I'm Charlie Brown? Yes. <gasps> okay. The Great Pumpkin.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Peanuts. That was a deduction one for me because yep. I did
1: not know, of course. And if <laughs> if you know me, which she does. I do. That would be interesting to me. The, right, 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 right. The largest Ouija board was how large?
0: Uh, I don't know, like thousands of feet or something
1: it was actually created on the roof of the grand midway hotel oh great an appropriate haunted establishment and it stood at 1302.54 square feet wow and it amped up hauntings since it was installed wow i bet the ghosties came ghosties came (laughs) probably used it like an ice rink yeah (laughs) Or a murder board. Spell out okay. your name! Yeah, or okay. yeah, a murder board.
0: How, a little Godzilla mothra up on the... Oh my gosh. On the Hilarious. Roof. Anyway,
1: good. How young was Houdini when he first performed live, and how much was he paid?
0: No idea how much he was paid, because... Yeah. But I was going to say maybe like 14, 13 or 14, maybe? he was nine. Oh, wow. Picked, this
1: is weird. He picked up pins with his eyelashes... While hanging upside down, he was paid 35 cents.
0: Okay, well, the, yeah, the money rings true. But. Yeah,
1: but, Lordy, that's interesting. <laughs> Nobody try that. At, don't try that at no. home. <laughs> no. What fruit lights on fire in the microwave? Mm, orange? Grapes. Really? Why do you put grapes in the microwave? Who 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 tested that? They were making wine? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Warm. I heard jelly wine. That, no, I don't know. Number 5. <laughs> <laughs> what bug has been known to survive weeks without their head? Uh praying mantis, the cockroach, and Uh-oh, there have been plenty of, of horror movies like Mimic, yeah. The Nest. There's yeah. one called Bug blood clots at their neck and only need a nervous system s- to survive. So they die. Actually, f- they end up dying from starvation and, and lack of water. Okay. Uh, thirst, but not because their head's been chopped. Off. <laughs>
0: okay, Thank you so much for listening on that note. Decapitation
1: of a cockroach. Yeah. Does thank nothing. you so
0: much for listening. Catch us next week. <laughs> <laughs>